0: Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be Moroni chapter 9. This is the second epistle of Mormon to his son Moroni. So he's uh, trying to help his son here in his church calling. Verse 1, My beloved son, I write unto you again that you may know that I am yet alive, but I write somewhat of that which is grievous. I guess I'd thought before that Mormon and Moroni kind of lived near each other, but this makes it sound like they don't live very close to each other, so that uh, Mormon has to explain that he's still alive to his son. For behold, I have, I have had a sore battle with the Lamanites, that's what he mentioned in the previous chapter that he was about to do that, in which we did not conquer, and Archiantus has fallen by the sword, and also Luram and Emron, yea, and we have lost a great number of our choice men. And now, behold, my son, I fear, lest the Lamanites shall destroy this people, for they do not repent, and Satan stirreth them up continually to anger one with another." Behold, I am laboring with them continually, and when I speak the word of God with sharpness, they tremble in anger against me, and when I use no sharpness, they harden their hearts against it. Wherefore, I fear, lest the Spirit of the Lord hath ceased striving with them. It means direct and to the point. Sharpness means direct and to the point. It means not couched in soft, comfortable language, but focused on what needs to be said more than on how to say it. That was by Millet McConkie. Elder Brother Hugh Nibley said, Their awful guilt leaps out in their instant resentment of any criticism of themselves. When I speak the word of God with sharpness, they tremble because of my words. They have reached that point of suicidal defiance, which the Greeks called ate, the point of no return, when the sinner with a sort of fatal fascination does everything that is most calculated to hasten his own removal from the scene. He is finished, and now all that remains is to get him out of the way. O oh, my beloved son, how can a people like this that are without civilization accept that God will stay his hand? Nephite civilization was thus extinguished at Camorra. It had already ceased to exist for some time before the final house cleaning. War had become the order of, day, order of the day, and every heart was hardened with the military requisitioning the necessities of life and leaving the non-combatants to faint by the way and die. Verse 5, And for so exceedingly do they anger that it seemeth me that they have no fear of death, and they have lost their love one towards another, and they thirst after blood and revenge continually. Hugh Nibley said, Mormon and Moroni supply the epilogue to the Book of Mormon, the son drawing freely on his father's notes and letters. The pictures that that these two paint of their world, which in their minds has a significant resemblance to our own, is one of unrelieved gloom. The situation is unbelievably bad. And in view of the way things are going, quite without hope, the scenes of horror and violence culminating in the sickening escalation of atrocities by by Lamanites and Nephites in the ninth chapter of Mormon need no news, I think he meant Moroni, need no news photographs to make their meaning convincing to the modern world. The Nephites, like the great heroes of tragedy, Oedipus Macbeth and Achilles, as they approach their end, are hopelessly trapped by a desperate mentality in which the suppressed awareness of their own sins finds paranoid expression in a mad, ungovernable hatred of others. They have lost their love one towards another, and they thirst after blood and revenge continually. Sounds like a pretty awful situation, doesn't it? Verse 6. And now, my beloved son, notwithstanding their hardness, let us labor diligently, for if we should cease to labor, we should be brought under condemnation. For we have a labor to perform whilst in this tabernacle of clay that we may conquer the enemy of all righteousness and rest our souls in the kingdom of God. This one verse contains an entire discourse on the importance of enduring to the end and always being found doing one's duty. Both Mormon and Moroni could have easily given up hope on their people lost the motivation to continue in their prophetic callings and become fatalistic. Instead, Mormon exhorts Moroni to continue to labor in his divinely inspired duty. From their examples, we learn that diligence in doing one's duty is not to be dependent upon the receptiveness of others. We must do our duty, be diligent in fulfilling the Lord's commands, regardless of how others choose to conduct their lives or how they respond to our efforts. To do otherwise is, is to let go of the iron rod, to cease enduring to the end, which brings one under condemnation. That was by Millet McConkie. Hugh Nibley said, In this crucible of wickedness, the true greatness of Mormon shines like a star as he calls his son to action, telling him that no matter how bad things are, we must never stop trying to do what we can to improve matters. For if we should cease to labor, we should be brought under condemnation, for we have a labor to perform whilst in this tabernacle of clay. In this spirit, Mormon took over command of the army, even when he knew that all was lost. For they looked upon me as though I could deliver them from their in afflictions. But behold, I was without hope. His is the predicament of the true tragic hero. Verse 7. And now I write somewhat concerning the sufferings of this people. For according to the knowledge which I have received from Amaron, Behold, the Lamanites have many prisoners which they took from the tower of Shoriza, and there were men, women, and children, and the husbands and fathers of those women and children they have slain. And they feed the women upon the flesh of their husbands, and the children upon the flesh of their fathers, and no water save a little do they give them. And notwithstanding this great abomination of the Lamanites, it doth not exceed that of the people in Orientum. For behold, many of the daughters of the Lamanites have they taken prisoner, and after depriving them of that which was most dear and precious above all things, which is chastity and virtue, and after they had done this thing, they did murder them in a most cruel manner, torturing their bodies even unto death. And after they have done this, they devour their flesh like unto wild beasts, because of the hardness of their hearts, and they do it for a token of bravery." O oh, my beloved son, how can a people like this that are without civilization and only a few years have passed away and they have a civil and a, they were a civil and a delightsome people. But, oh, my son, how can a people like this whose delight is in so much abomination? How can we expect that God will stay his hand in judgment against us? Behold, my <clears throat> my heart cries, Woe unto this people! Come out in judgment, O God, and hide their sins and wickedness and abominations from before thy face. And again, my son, there are many widows and their daughters who remain in Shoriza, and that part of the provisions which the Lamanites did not carry away, behold, the army of has carried has carried away and left them to wander whithersoever they can for food, and many old women do faint by the way and die. Revenge, Mormon said, was the one thing God absolutely would not tolerate. For once that starts, there is no ending. Mormon shows us the military power completely out of control, practicing the usual atrocities, requisitioning everything for themselves while many old women do faint by the way and die. Verse 17, And the army which is with me is weak, and the armies of the Lamanites are betwixt Shoriza and me, and as many as have fled to the army of Aaron have fallen victims to their awful brutality." O the depravity of my people, they are without order and without mercy. Behold, I am but a man, and I have but the strength of a man, and I cannot any longer enforce my commands, and they have become strong in their perversion, and they are alike brutal, sparing none, neither old nor young, and they delight in everything, save that which is good, and the suffering of our women and our children, upon all the face of this land doth exceeding everything, yea, tongue cannot tell, neither can it be written. And now, my son, I dwell no longer upon this horrible scene. Behold, thou knowest the wickedness of this people. Thou knowest that they are without principle and past feeling, and their wickedness doth exceed that of the Lamanites. Righteousness and truth result in order, while evil and wickedness lead to confusion and disorder. In describing the depraved state of things at the close of the Nephite narrative, Mormon spoke of his people as without civilization, without principle, past feeling, and interestingly enough, without order and without mercy. Whereas faithfulness and adherence to the light of Christ and to moral con- moral codes and standards bring forth peace and decency and enhanced organization among all the sons and daughters of God, indifference towards or defiance of divine law of divine law. Bring forth chaos and division. Nephi explained that the Spirit of the Lord will not always strive with man, and when the Spirit ceaseth to strive with man, then cometh speedy destruction. Those who no longer enjoy the influence of the Spirit are without Christ and God in the world, and they are driven about as chaff before the wind. When the Spirit ceases to strive with men and women, Satan has full power over the hearts of the people, and they are given up unto the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds. The Holy Spirit is an organizing principle, and the nearer we approach our Heavenly Father, the greater will be our grasp of reality, our ability to see things as they really are, and to value our true relationship to man and God. That was by Millet McConkie. Hugh Nibley said, Here then is the real calamity that that befell the Nephites. In all its tragic horror, and there is no mention whatever of enemy action or of anyone belonging to the wrong party, the ultimate catastrophe is not that people are struck down, but that they should be found in any circumstances, whatever, without order and without mercy, without principle and past feeling. Verse 21. Behold, my son, I cannot recommend them unto God, lest he should smite me. But behold, my son, I recommend thee unto God, and I trust in Christ that thou wilt be saved, and I pray unto God that he will spare thy life to witness the return of his people unto him or their utter destruction. For I know that they must perish except they repent and return unto him. And if they perish, it will be like unto the, unto the Jaredites because of the wilfulness of their hearts, seeking for blood and revenge. And if it so be that they perish, we must we know that many of our brethren have deserted over unto the Lamanites, and many more will also desert over unto them, Wherefore, write somewhat a few things, if thou art spared, and I shall perish and not see thee, but I trust that I may see thee soon, for I have sacred records that I would deliver up unto thee. My son, be faithful in Christ, in spite of all the horrors of war and the depravity of the people, be faithful in Christ. And may not the things which I have written grieve thee, to weigh thee down unto death, but may Christ lift thee up. Be optimistic with the hope that Christ will save you in the celestial kingdom. Be happy in spite of the troubles that surround us. And may his sufferings and death and the showing his body unto our fathers and his mercy and long suffering, and the hope of his glory and of eternal life rest in your mind forever. And may the grace of God the Father whose throne is high in the heavens and our Lord Jesus Christ who sitteth upon the right hand of, the, of his power until all things shall become subject unto him be and abide with you forever. Amen. I bear testimony that these things are true and say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. It'll be our final chapter.